Look, the, the past couple series, I've gotten the Batman theme, and I've gotten Rocky. So, like, that is, uh, that's awesome. So, and, and it may be a little bit of a fight today. I'm just not, I'm going to be, I'm going to be very truthful. So, good morning, church. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Uh, Michelle and I, we missed you guys last week. We were, uh, we were on the Gulf Coast uh, conducting some, some business, and uh, uh, we had a productive weekend down there. It was just great, and then we got to spend the 4th with... Uh, Ashley and Walter, and uh, that was interesting to say the least, and a little fun. So you know, you just don't know about them too. Uh, that's my daughter, by the way, and, and Clint and Tiffany's son, by the way. So, uh, but it was it was very good. Uh, for those of you that vi- are visiting, my name's Steve Simon, and I'm the children's pastor here. And uh, you know, when you do VBS stuff, and you know, they, they they let you come out of the cage a little bit, so that's really good, and had a lot of fun. So, uh, I'm I'm very very thankful that. God has just allowed me to serve uh, in this body uh, as the children's pastor and uh, just serve uh, uh, young people and families for as long as I have, so I'm very, very thankful for that. Uh, This morning, we're going to continue in Jude, Um, and so uh, you can make your way there. Jude is right before Revelation. It's a pretty small book, but it's a pretty powerful book, And, and I don't know about you guys, but if you've been sort of reading along with the, with the scripture verses during the week and reading the text, uh, if you really start to think about this text, it will it'll, it'll convict you of some stuff. And uh, uh, it has for me. Brian actually said, hey, what, what do you want to preach? And I, I'll, I'll preach the next section. You know, no big deal, right? Just rock on. And uh, the more and more I started to study the text, I was like, you know, I probably should have listened to my pastor and took the next section because the next section is a little bit better. But uh, glad, to, glad to be here. So uh, we're just going to, uh, to dive into the text this morning. Uh, don't have a, a huge story to tell you, uh, but we're just going to dive in and we're just going to see where we end up with this. So uh, turn with me in your Bible today to Jude, beginning in verse 8. And uh, that's the book of Jude, starting in verse 8. And the text says this, it says, Yet, in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, Reject authority and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but he said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, they, for they walk in the way of Cain and abandon themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts. As they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, Twice dead, uprooted. Wild waves of the sea casting up the foam from their own shame. Wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you. God, we thank you. We, God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for all that you have done for us in Christ Jesus. God, uh, the, the, the text is, 
is so full of hope. And God, it tells us stuff that sometimes we need to hear. God, I'm thankful for that. Thankful for the conviction that it provides. God, may you just be with us today. God, to soften hearts. God, just give us, uh, give us some time where we can evaluate ourselves. God, evaluate our life as we study this text this morning. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as you know, this letter written by Jude, it's talking about false teachers, right? False prophets. And uh, the first thing we see is a warning. And so we have to sort of understand who are these people. So if you've, if you've come in and you sort of missed last week, you didn't get sort of the prep, you need to know who these people are. So we're just going to look back really quickly to verse 4. It says, certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. You see, these people that they're talking about is their false teachers and false prophets that are among the church, that are among the body of God. And so, and what it says here is they've crept in. And, and, you know, if you think about just sort of that illustration of creeping in, they've crept in, meaning they probably came in unnoticed. We don't even know that they're there, but they exist, right? So they've crept in, and they have this intent. The intent is to destroy the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus that they were once taught, that they have this intent on destroying that, supplanting that from your life. Ladies and gentlemen, these people exist. They exist in the church. They exist in our home place. They exist where we go to work. You see, scholarship would call these people apostates. The apostates, they're they're people that have turned from God, that reject God. And the text reveals that this particular group that Jude's writing to, uh, it reveals who these people are, their characteristics of who they are, And then it goes on, and later we're going to study both sections. It's going to give you some examples of how they operate. So they're going to to give you. I'm going to give you three characteristics of 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 what they what they're trying to do, and then I'm going to give you some things that Jude points out of how they work in your life and in the life of the church. So we're going to talk about both of those things. And remember, this applies to us today. It's not just for them. Remember, Scripture is for all time, right? It's relevant just as much now as it is back then. So we need to understand that as we read through this today. One of the texts the ways it describes, very, very quickly, it describes, the, it, it describes those ungodly people as one who rely upon dreams. Okay? And we all know those, those dreamer types, right? And I'm, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit of a dreamer too. I dream of the next thing to come and all that. But that's not the same way the text is describing it. John MacArthur, he writes this about it. He said, Dreaming surely includes apostates, perverted, evil imaginations, rejecting the Word of God. They base their deceptive teachings on the misguided musings of their own deluded and demonized minds. I don't know, is it, is it heavy in here? Like, this is serious stuff. Look at what Moses says about false teachers. This is in Deuteronomy 13. 
If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, using the same reference, dreamer of dreams, arises among you and gives you a sign or wonder, and the sign or wonder that tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let's go after other gods, which you have not known. You see, because remember, we have prophets in the Bible too that the dreams interpreted things of God, and those things come to pass, right? But those are things that support God. If these dreamers of dreams and these people that are coming to you, they, they, they give you stuff and say, hey, reject God. We know that that's a falsehood. And we know that's a false prophet. So he goes on, he says, let's go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams. And it goes on in verse 5, but the prophet or the dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God. And the last part of that passage says, so you shall purge evil from your midst. That is some tough stuff right there. If we have false teaching that's going on, you purge it. You get it out. So let's think about this in our relationships. We have a person that comes into our life that seeks to supplant the gospel in your life the text tells us to do what? Remove it, right? You know, false teachers, they can appear in all different walks of life. And oftentimes, people in their sinful behavior can represent the same characteristics as the false teachers that Jude is describing to us can have. Now, here's the thing. This is, this is where it sort of gets going through the weeds. Us as Christians... We say, you know what? We need to be around non-believers. And that's, that's true. You need to have some non-believing people that you are speaking truth into them for. And I am all for it. That's what we're called to do. We're called to witness. We are called to go out and reach those that are lost and bring them to the fold through Jesus. That's what we're called to do, right? But here's the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is, you need to ask yourself that question, are you doing that? Are you speaking truth into their life? Because if you're not, if you're not, then you're not following your calling. And then you also have to question, you know, hey, if I'm not, gonna, if I'm not going to uh, witness to them and be a strong witness for them, then what am I doing? Am I just hanging out for the, for the glory of hanging out? That may be something that you're doing. I think we need, need to remember that this, sometimes there are people that come into our life that are harmful to us. And we are not always the healthiest of people to deal with that. And so here's the deal. If you've got somebody like that in your life, let's remove it. Let's get them out. Right? Until you get to a point and a place where you are healthy enough to go back to that person and understand that their influences are ungodly and your influence is godly and you can reconcile that and witness to them and bring them into the fold for the glory of God. And that's a hard, that's a hard thing to sort of wrap your mind around. You see, if we keep people in our life that mean us evil... It's like saying to cancer, hey, 
I just want to keep you cancer inside my body for a little while longer because we're buddies and we're friends. You don't do that with cancer. Cancer kills people. What do you do with cancer? You eradicate it. You get it out of your body. You subject it to radiation to shrink it, to kill it. And then when you're healthy, you come back strong and you fight the fight. And that's what I'm trying to point out here this morning. And Jude, he doesn't, he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, okay, hey, we need to throw these false, we need to, we need to deal with these false teachers. He, he, he gives us three characteristics of false teachers and what they do. The first one is this. They defile the flesh. They defile the flesh. And what that does is that points to immorality. In this context, it points to sexual sin, sensuality. And those things are tough to deal with. Here's the thing. Sexual sin in our culture is rampant. Is rampant. And it's inside the church too. Number one failure of pastors, sexual immorality. It is easily accessible. It is all around. It kills. It destroys families. And that's the reality. So, if, it, if sexual sin is the reason pastors fail then how rampant is it in our congregations where some are not bound to the same conviction? And I'm not trying to elevate pastor beyond somebody else. We're all all people. But what I'm telling you is, is that it points to sexual sin and it points us to the things that we need to avoid inside of our churches. Young people, it's everywhere. And it's meant to derail you and separate you from God. So, if we're really going to personalize this, let's talk about that. And let's ask ourselves, is that something that we need to repair? Repent of. Second characteristics is they reject authority. They reject authority. The text describes the, the, those people as They reject authority, and in this context means they they reject the authority of God upon their life. They reject the authority of God upon their life. Let me tell you, Christians, you are subject to God's authority, and you are bound to live according to what He has designed for you. Do, Do you hear me? You are bound to live according to what He has called you to do. And you know what? And sometimes that means that we need to uh, not have this friendship. And sometimes that means that we do not have this activity. Sometimes if we know that we can't be alone with a computer, we need to put safeguards in our life where those things don't happen. You are bound to live as God has called you to live in service to Him. Now these people that have worked their way in, they're they're rejecting God. They're rejecting His authority. So how do you think that they live? 
however they choose. And they do whatever they want to. Look what Jesus says about people who reject authority. Matthew 23. Woe to you. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanliness. Man, the air's thick. This is hard stuff. It's hard stuff. So does this describe you and how your life reflects God's authority? Are you a whitewashed tomb? You see, a lot of us play the role of Christian just like if we were playing the role of Mary Poppins in a play. We get dressed up on Sundays. We go through life. It's just a role we play. I'm asking you to throw that away. I'm asking you to throw that, throw that character role away and serve him. The text says, the third characteristics is they're irreverent towards spiritual things. So, you know, if it's the things, of, if it's the church, they're, ah, they don't care about the church. They blaspheme the church. Uh, even a little further down in verse 10, it says, but they blaspheme, they blaspheme all that they do not understand. And they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Meaning they just... They just go on instinct. They say whatever they want to say, do whatever they want to do, and they move on. They speak against the church, and they speak against God. You see, Revelation 12, 7 describes this fight. And it says, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and all of his angels fought back. You see, there is this, there is this battle, this inherent eternal battle that goes on uh, with evil. And, and we have to deal with that. We have to engage that evil. And we have to uh, become a party to that. Get down in the mud and get dirty to be able to fight it. But we can't sin. And see, that's what, that's what this whole first section, that's what I'm talking about. We have to love on those people that don't know God. We have to show them the gospel. But we can't let ourselves fall so far that we sin and we become like them. Because when you do that, you are rejecting God's authority on your life. And you're rejecting all that he has for you. This is pretty tough stuff. You see, they fought back. And... And, and even in, in Jude, it says, when, when, when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. You see, he did that without his judgment against that person. He said, the Lord's going to deal with it. And he let it go. You see, he fights the fight. And he, he returns that and gives that authority to God alone. And we need to understand that Satan is extremely powerful in our lives. He has an extreme influence in our lives. And if you are following God, 
He has an even more extreme influence in your life. He is going to chew at every strand of the cord until it breaks. And you have to fight it. And you have to continue to fight it every single day as you walk through this life. And you have to let God come alongside. You have to allow Him to do a mighty work in your life to do that. He is strong. And here's, here's the thing. These, identifi- these, these traits that we're talking about, they're, they're just sin. It's just sin. Uh, all these behaviors by individuals seek to remove the authority of the church and of God in everything they come in contact with. Tom Constable states that, that false teaching can take many forms, but oftentimes people make a choice on how, we're going, how they are going to live. You see, you, when you make a choice to engage in behavior that <laughs> engage in behavior that uh, that type of behavior, you begin to depart from what you've been taught. And sometimes it's slow over time. Sometimes it's quick. You make a choice to live an entirely different lifestyle than what Scripture teaches. And with that choice, your life begins to have these little markers in it that don't reflect the gospel. So as we walk through life and we go through life, these little markers pop up that if we're not following God, they begin to look not like God. Sometimes, especially this is, I hear this a lot in young folks, um, you know, hey, I, you know, I, I'm just checking stuff out. Just checking out new ideas and just going to see how, that, how they are. I want to just check them out. Okay? I'm all for that. But are we in the right frame of mind to do those things? Right? You see, your pursuits become different. Your desires become different. You neglect the assembly of the saints. And you begin to live for yourself. Some of us intellectualize the behavior. But a lot of times when we intellectualize the behavior, we're, what we're doing is we're convincing ourselves that what we are doing is right. Ultimately, if it goes on long enough, you begin to reject God. And here's the thing. I beg you today to evaluate your life for those things that cause you to reject the grace of God that dwells within you. All of these things that we're talking about in false teachers that Jude's talking about, They apply to us today. Remove those things that are evil. Fight the fight. Fight the fight. And contend for the faith you have in Christ. Live for Him. Live for Him. Verse 11. Woe to them. Woe to them. For they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feast as they feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves. Waterless clouds slept along by the winds. Fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted. Wild waves of the sea casting up their foam of their own shame. Wandering stars 
for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. You know, the first thing we see is we start to see the hidden things among us. And we start off with a big woe. Woe. The woes in Scripture are things that we need to pay attention to, folks. The woes in Scripture are are condemnation upon sinful behavior displayed by people. I almost, I almost, and I'd like to, like, if I see some sin, I'd, whoa! I'd like to do that. I'd like to walk all around town. Whoa! Right? I don't think I would get, I don't think I'd get a very good response. But it would be fun. It would be fun. And, and even today, we've looked at a couple of the woes, right? Looked at a couple of the woes. And the woes, uh, the woes are, are, are good to see because then once we sort of know why the woe was there, guess what? We can... Avoid that behavior. <laughs> That's what's cool about that. It's a huge marker. We could avoid that, right? And so the text in Jude provides us, uh, he, he's going to give some condemnation, but he begins to give us some illustrations about how these false teachers and these false prophets begin to work in the lives of people and churches and organizations. Okay? Here's the first one. It says, first of all, we see the example of Cain. And I'm just going to briefly just run through this, okay? What did Cain want? Okay? What did Cain want? Well, the first thing Cain wanted, what Cain wanted his own way. Right? So how many of you want your own way? I want my own way all the time. Like my wife can tell you. If it's not my way, it's the highway, right? I want my own way all the time. Okay? Cain, his way was godlessness. I'm not going to pursue that one. Okay? His way was godlessness. His way was violent. Now remember, apply these things to your life. Okay? His way was violent. His way was lustful. His way was greedy. His way was prideful. He spoke out against God. Cain wanted a relationship with God by what he did in his work, in his activity. What happened to Cain? He's a murderer. He's a murderer. Second, we see a reference to Balaam. What was the deal with Balaam? Numbers 31:16 points us to the compromise with the enemies of God and teaching people that they can sin without punishment. Behold, these on Balaam's advice caused the people of Israel to act treacherously against the Lord in the incident of Peor, and so a plague came upon them from the, con- from the congregation of the Lord. You see, the error in, in this thinking is that, hey, I can get away with evil, and I can get away with sinful behavior, and I'm going to be okay. It's not that bad. It hurts God when you sin. At the front part of every Bible I own, the first thing I write on the opening cover is God hates sin. And the reason I write that on every Bible is I want to constantly be reminded that I am sinful and that I need to be reminded that God hates it and I will be separated from God if I do it. And here's the hard thing for me is I still do it. It's still it's still a fight that I fight every single day. And I get up and I have to make the choice in my life to make the change to say, I'm not going to do this today. 
And God, you have the power and you have the glory to overcome it. And I'm going to follow you with all of my heart and I'm going to serve you. That's what it takes. It's a fight. It's Rocky Balboa getting up and training every single day to fight Clubber Lang. That's what it is. And so many of us want to give up that fight. They want, to, they want to turn ourselves over to Satan and let him just have his way with you. Church, do not do it. Look to God. Look to the Lord. Because he has so much for you. He has so much for you. But you have to be willing to take the step. You have to be willing to let him invade your life and have control of your life. And then you must follow him. And you must do what he tells you to do. Third, we see Korah's rebellion. <coughs> it says he rose up and he gathered against Moses, Aaron, and ultimately God. Numbers 16, 2 through 3. And they rose up before Moses with a number of people, chiefs of the congregation, uh, chosen from the assembly, well-known men. They assembled themselves together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you've gone too far. You see, Korah's rebellion, Korah's rebellion is rebellion that is jealous and it lingers in his heart. How many of us have that in our heart today? We have this lingering rebellion in our heart we long for the old day where we could do what we wanted to do and we were under no authority the five illustrations first one is sunken rocks sunken rocks it's a it it's a danger that lies unseen below the surface so when we talk about false teaching and we talk about we talk about all those things. It's, it's a danger that lies beyond the surface. You know, you look out to those wonderful pictures of Caribbean islands and all those things. And, you know, the worst thing for a ship and a captain is to not be able to see what's underneath the surface. And a false teacher operates underneath the surface, waiting to destroy. Waiting to destroy. In the church, in the church, they rally their cause under the guise of spirituality and seek to undermine everything that's being done in the church. Is that you? You do that? Second illustration is clouds without water. Water brings life, and in this instance, uh, it would be something or someone whom you think would bring some sort of renewal. But, they, but in the end, they end up bringing nothing. They can't bring anything because the giver of life is not in them. Fruitless trees. Trees that bear no fruit are uprooted, dug up, tossed aside. These false teachers cannot bear fruit because they, don't, they cannot produce life because, again, Jesus does not reside in them, and Jesus is the giver of life. Waves. Waves bring everything to the shoreline. Brings everything to the shoreline. They, it's foam and it's debris and it's 
shells and rocks and everything else, and, we, and it's just uncontrollable. There's nothing you could do. In a false teacher, they cast their uncontrolled lifestyle wherever they go. They are men and they are women that live without any sort of boundary in their life whatsoever. And the fifth one is wandering stars. And this is a reference to uh, the stars, which now we know the stars that move around in erratic behavior are planets. See, at this writing, they really didn't you know, project out there and know that. But now we know them. And you couldn't use those stars for navigation. Okay? If you did, you'd get lost because they move. And so these stars, they wander around. They go from place to place. And, and as they do, they shift and they move and they guide people in the wrong direction. You know, see, here's the thing. This text this morning is a strong reminder to never depart from the message of the gospel. The gospel of Christ. You know, here, here, here's the thing. This text this morning, it, it's hard to, it was hard to study. It's hard to preach. I know it's hard to hear. But we need to pay attention to pieces of Scripture just like this. And then hold up the filter that we have in this book. That we spent a week at VBS pouring into your children that this book is the authority for life. And so we put this book up and we go, hey, when I run my behavior through this filter, what happens? We need to have the proper worldview. And here's the thing is false teachers are here. They're here. They're in the church. They're in your workplace. They're in your homes. So do not be fooled. Do not be fooled that, hey, I'm never going to come in contact with any of this. I'm telling you, you will. Challenge it. Fight against it. As the Archangel Michael did against Satan. It will destroy you. It will destroy the church. Here's the other thing is, an apathy towards God can also, an apathy towards God that's birthed in our activity and our friendships can do the same thing for our life. Okay? So let me ask you this, this question. We're, we're about through. Who or what has crept into your life recently? Who or what has crept into your life recently that seeks to derail you of the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life? How many of you have, have people or friends or influences that are against the Word of God and against the church? How many of you have those friends that, that allow, that you allow them to sort of put your faith on the back burner? How many of us have let children to do activities that in times that were once reserved and set apart for learning about the things of God. 
How many of us let our activity, let our activity get in the way of being the priest of our home? You see, false teaching can sneak into your lives all over the place. We never even knew it was there. These activities that you deem are important, more important than the church and the false teachers and the idols of your life. You've got to address those things, guys. One of the things that sort of pops up in church life is we talk about church attendance. And I listen to several leadership podcasts and uh, read leadership books, things like that. And um, this one podcast I listened to in particular, he brought out a couple things about church attendance. I think it's important because we have discussed these influences and how these false teaching influences come upon our lives, right? So I think it's real important. It says, says this, first thing he says is, culture is not causing churches to compromise. Churches are compromising the culture, is, and culture is okay with it. So let me read that again. Culture is not causing churches to compromise. Churches are causing are compromising and culture is okay with it. Why is the church compromising? Because if we're not careful, we'll allow the culture to drive how the church operates. Okay, In the culture, it's okay to have a lack of uh, a, a, an authority of God upon your life. In culture, it's okay to be godless. Matter of fact, we hold godless people up for our young people to emulate. And most of those people display lustful, greedy, prideful behavior, all the things that we speak against in the church. And we don't speak against them because we're trying to be these moral police. We speak against them because they are sinful to God. And we allow our, our, our media and we allow those things into our life. And the, and the sad thing is, is we can do the same thing in church. We can allow those things into the church. Second thing he says is, he says, leaders are not setting a good example for the rest of the church. How many leaders do we know that, that are leading churches that are not following what God's called them to do? I'm not picking on anybody. I'm sorry. But it happens. Okay? Leadership in the church who has sporadic in attendance. Leadership in the church who's sporadic in attendance. If a leader fails to think attendance is not important, then the people that are in his small group, the people that he teaches, that he has influence on, they will not think it's important either, and they will follow suit, and they will not attend the church either. They'll be sporadic. <coughs> and the last is the... There's a large number of folks who do not see church attendance as important. This one, this one sort of gets me because I am a children's pastor. You know, here's the thing. I can see this. Let, let's make sure as parents that our kid shows up for every single practice and every single game because they're needed on that team. Not going to miss a practice. Not going to miss a game because my kid's needed on that. And I'm not picking on your kids, okay? But here's the thing. We are in a greater battle inside the church that is far greater than the score on a scoreboard. 
We are in the battle for souls and life. And we need every member of the team to show up and show how big God is. That's what we need. We need you at every practice. We need you at every we need you everywhere. Because we are the army of God. That's what we're here for. Church, we need to hold fast to what we've been taught. Okay? We need to hold fast. Listen to what 2 Peter says, okay? And then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who has called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption of the world because of sinful desire. For this, for this very reason... Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and brotherly affection with love. Man, that's a great text to preach on, isn't it? That's got all the good stuff. For these qualities are yours. These qualities are yours and are increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a description that's different than apostates? Isn't that a different description? Which one do you want to follow? Who do you want to be? Therefore, brothers... Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. Fall. Sorry. Fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, that's the, that's the hope. That's the glory. That's what we seek. We need to stand together because there's, there's, there's battles to be fought. And for you, Christian, the, the Scriptures point the way. But you need to follow them. Examine your heart. Examine if you're displaying the traits that Jude writes about. Or are you displaying the traits that we see in 2 Peter? What are you doing? Christian, I call you to repent today. Repent. You don't have to come here. Repent there. Repent. And then do what Joshua did. My favorite verse in the, in the Bible. I probably talk about it every time I, I preach. but it's, it, Joshua falls on his knees. Doesn't know what to do. He, he repents and God says, get up. Get up and go fight the fight. Put it behind you. Lay it down at my feet. Go. Do what I've taught you to do. Church, do what you've been taught to do. Fight the fight. Follow after Jesus and let nothing sway you. Don't let anything sway you. 
Hebrews 13.9, don't be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened with grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. You see, maybe you're here today and you're, you're saying, golly, that, that, that was tough, Pastor. That was tough to hear. Or, you know, like, well, there's, there's, there's a service. They, they downed me again in that church service. That's not the point. That was not, a lot of times scripture tells us that we need to be reminded of those behaviors so we can avoid those behaviors. And, and that's not the case. And, and what I'm going to ask you to do, if you, if you don't know Jesus, I'm going to ask you to take your position before God seriously. Because you're going to face him one way or another. You're going to face him as judge, or you're going to face him as Savior. And my prayer is that you give your life to Jesus Christ because, again, He has so much for you. Lay it down at His feet. He's the only one that's never going to hurt you, never going to disappoint you, and He's never, ever going to fail you or leave your side. All the other things of this world will fade. He will not. And I call you to let him take a hold of your heart today. Let him into your life. Let him show you everything that he has for you. Because he is a great and mighty God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you. God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for uh, text such as this, God, that um, allows us to be reminded of, of behaviors that, that, God, just don't look very pretty to you. And God, I, I just ask you today, God, for, for hearts to uh, be molded to you, to reflect you. God, we, we love you. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for Jesus and all that he has done in dying on the cross for us. God, today, if somebody's here and they don't know you, God, I ask you today, God, just to uh, radically save them. God, convict their heart that they need you over everything else. I pray for that today. Pray all these things. In Christ's name, amen.